Welcome to our service for the third Sunday in Epiphany. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I don't really have any announcements, except that some of you will have heard this sermon about Jonah before. There was a funeral this weekend, and I'm a part-time preacher. I just didn't have time to write another one. So some of you are going to recognize this sermon. I hope you don't mind. That's, that's it. No more announcements. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our first hymn is, You Have Come Down to the Lake Shore. to the lake. 
Let's say the prayer of the day. Almighty God, by grace alone you call us and accept us in your service. Strengthen us by your spirit and make us worthy of your call. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Our psalm is Psalm 62, verses 5 to 12. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord. For you repay to all according to their work. The second reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short, from now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the net. 
Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. The story about Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the big fish, is a very old story, and it's it's a funny story. It's told in a humorous way. So if it sometimes sounds funny, it's meant to. It's meant to sound funny, but it's also a wise story. It, it's funny, as Homer Simpson said once, because it's true. It, it's deeply human. It, it shows us something about ourselves and about ourselves in relation to God. And it begins exactly the way you'd expect a story about a prophet to begin. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and God said, Jonah, get up, go to the big city. Go preach in Nineveh. I can't ignore what's going on there any longer. Go preach. Well, Jonah got up. He went to Joppa, a port city. He got on a boat for Tarshish, which was about as far from Nineveh as you could get. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and it's possible that Jonah was a little bit afraid to go to the capital of the world's greatest superpower and enemy of Israel and tell them how bad they were and that the God of Israel would destroy them if they didn't change their ways. He may have hesitated to do that. At that time, people thought if you were a powerful nation, you must have a powerful God. And likewise, if you were a weak nation, your God can't be much of a God. Your power and your wealth validated your values and your worship. That's how people thought. It's not so different now. So Jonah maybe wasn't particularly eager to tell people who lived in the world's biggest, strongest nation and who therefore, according to everybody, must have the world's greatest, strongest God, that the God of this weak little nation of Israel, who must therefore, it was just common sense, be a weak little God, was making threats against them unless they made some big changes. Not only did it seem ridiculous, they might take offense. They might very well take offense. And that might not end very well for Jonah. Or maybe he didn't think they should be given a chance to repent. Maybe. He thought they're too evil. Maybe he thought some things are beyond forgiveness. Maybe he thought if there are going to be Assyrians in heaven, I don't want to be there. But God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. So God, remember Jonah's on the ship. So God hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a huge storm. The ship was in danger of breaking up. That The sailors were terrified. And if the sailors are worried, it's a bad storm. They cried to their gods. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Still, the storm raged. The sailors decided to draw straws because they were thinking, somebody on this ship has made some god really, really angry. And they wanted to find who, out who it was, who was the person, and who was the god. And, and lo and behold, who gets a short straw? Jonah. And they asked him, who are you and what have you done? And Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship Yahweh, who it just happens made land and <clears throat> sea. And what I'm doing on the ship, I'm trying to get away from Yahweh. Well, 
then the sailors were really, really, really frightened. And they asked, what should we do? And Jonah said, well, there's really only one option. You're going to have to throw me into the sea. At, at first, they didn't want to do that. They seemed to have been good guys. They tried to row to shore, but they just could not get there. And the storm was getting even worse, so they cried out to Yahweh. They cried to the God of Jonah, and they said, please, Yahweh, don't let us die because of what this guy has done in his life. And on the other hand, please don't blame us for his death. And then they threw him into the sea. And the storm stopped. Well, the sailors were awestruck. And they made sacrifices, and they made vows, and they worshipped Yahweh. These unbelievers, these idolaters, worshipped God. It's amazing. Jonah is a great prophet. Meanwhile, the great prophet was flailing about in the sea. But God arranged for a big fish to come along and just swallow him whole, gulp him down. And, and there's Jonah inside the fish. It's pitch dark. It's all this churning around, you know, and he's steeping in stomach acids like a tea bag. And who knows what else is in the belly of a big fish. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And, and Jonah adapts parts of the Psalms to suit his very unique situation in ways that are rather funny, but we, we're going to have to skip that. And he, he ends by saying, I am desperate. You're the only one who can help me. Oh, Lord, I'm in a predicament here. I'm in a fish. I will do anything you say. Just get me out of this fish. So God had a word with the fish, and it swam to shore, and it vomited Jonah up. Kind of disgusting, but a huge relief. We all know the feeling, though usually we are the one doing the vomiting. We aren't the one being vomited up. And now we start again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the big city. Go preach in Nineveh. I can't ignore what's going on there. This time Jonah went to Nineveh. He went to Nineveh. And he preached a really bad sermon, but at least it was short. If you're going to preach a bad sermon, at least make it short. It, in Hebrew, it's five words. It's a few more in English. He said, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. He didn't tell them why. He didn't tell them what they should do. Just he got 40 days. You might almost think he didn't want them to repent. And yet they did. And their repentance was spectacular. Everywhere Jonah goes, unbelievers begin to worship Yahweh. Well, the people of Nineveh turned away from evil and violence, and they fasted, they wore sackcloth, they sat in dust and ashes, every last one of them, by order of the king. Humans and non-humans, even the animals, were wearing potato sacks. They all repented, they all cried to Yahweh, and God decided not to destroy the city. Jonah was enraged, and he shouted at God, I knew it! I knew this would happen. I knew you'd change your mind. I knew they'd repent, and you'd forgive them. Time and time again, it's the same thing. 
That's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, always ready to forgive. He said, kill me now. It just makes me so mad I can't stand it. And God said, is it right for you to be so angry? Jonah didn't answer this. Speaking to God, he went out of the city, made himself a little shelter, he sat down, he sulked, <laughs> he waited to see what would happen to Nineveh because he was still hoping that God would destroy the city. And then the Lord God appointed a bush and it made it come grow up over Jonah, gave some shade to his head. Oh, how nice, Jonah thought. And Jonah was very happy with this bush and little tree. Then God appointed a worm, and the worm ate away at the shade tree of the bush. By the next day, it was dead. Then the sun came up, and it beat down on Jonah's head, and God sent a hot wind from the east, and Jonah started to feel dizzy and faint and sick, and he said, I want to die. And God said, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, it is. I'm so mad I could die. So then God said, Jonah, you didn't plant or water this tree. It just grew. It was here one day and gone the next, and yet you're all upset about it. If a little thing like this matters so much to you, why shouldn't I care about Nineveh, a huge city with all these people who don't know up from down, not to mention all the animals? Can't you understand? And that's the end of the story. We don't know what Jonah said. Because the point of the story, or at least one point of the story, is what do we say? What's our answer? Do we maybe care more about our small comforts than hundreds and thousands or millions of people? Not to mention all the animals. Are there people we'd be happy to see destroyed? Are there people we think are or should be beyond redemption, outside God's love and forgiveness? and compassion. Maybe we don't want to see God's presence and God's love and God's grace in some places or in some people. There's people who do or say things we disagree with, for example. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter if people do or say things that are wrong or, or destructive. It does. I, I'm just thinking I might have something in common with Jonah. And possibly one or two of you might be in the same boat, so to speak. It's easier if we don't have to see God's goodness and God's grace in and amongst them, whoever they are for us. If we don't have to see God's love for them and even their love for God and their repentance and their faith and their commitment. Now, what if God's compassion and love and forgiveness is as offensive to us as it was to Jonah, even though we ourselves desperately need God's love and compassion and forgiveness in ways we don't even know about. What if we're like those people in the gospel, in the gospels who were angry and upset about the kind of people Jesus ate and drank with? Maybe we don't want to see or accept the way God works in the world or, or who God is. Maybe we can see a little bit of ourselves in this story. That's, that's one thing, and it's probably the main thing. But here's another thing. Jonah was a really lousy prophet. 
but whose stupendous awfulness as a prophet was equaled only by the stupendousness of the repentance and faith of those to whom he just barely preached. Jonah allowed God to work through him, not wholeheartedly by any means. We never do, but a bit, a bit. And God's grace moved in him and with him and through him. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, as we know from what comes later, they weren't always such good disciples either. A lot of the time they didn't understand what's going on. They, they abandoned Jesus when he needed them. When he needed them most, Peter denied him three times. But God worked in and with and through them. So summing it all up, the moral of the story is never underestimate the workings of God's grace in our own lives or in the lives of other people, any other people. Never underestimate the love and compassion and grace of God. Amen. Let's confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. As God's beloved people, made radiant in the light of Christ. Let us pray for the church, the whole human family, and all God's creation. Each petition ends, hear us, O God, and will respond, your mercy is great. God of unfailing, steadfast love, you call all people to turn to you and believe in the good news. Cast the net of your love over the earth and make us willing messengers of your salvation. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. God, you are our refuge and our strength. The whole earth cries for hope and healing. Help us to follow you and proclaim the good news of your reign. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. God, our hope and salvation, we pour out our hearts on behalf of those in need those who live in the midst of violence, poverty, or disaster, those who are frightened, those who are sad, those who are sick. In particular, we pray for those we name silently or out loud, and for those who have no one to pray for them. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Creator and sustainer of the universe, you fulfill all things. We give thanks for our brothers and sisters who have died, and we rejoice that nothing can separate us from your love. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Abba, Father, we lift our prayers to you in hope 
entrusting everything to your goodness and mercy made known to us in Jesus. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let's say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. God bless you all. peace. Be the light of Christ.